You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. Simon. And once again, I look at Lee when it's Mark's <laughs> turn to talk and look at Mark when it's Lee's turn to talk. It's just that the introduction that you did there, that you all listened to the Blue Box podcast, we've taken nearly 10 minutes to record that one line and I thought it was going to be something really special and you just did what we did on all the other ones. I think so it's just a just... case of getting something down so we can actually start. <laughs> okay, go on then. I'm hot, I'm going to take my jumper off. That's good. Cue podcast, the 70s music. I should have done this before on. I took the jumper off. For the next 60 seconds, on the spot, oh, Mark! No. <laughs> About time. I was, only, I was only kidding. For the next 60 seconds, Simon, you're going to be talking about turn left. <clears throat> what a dark episode. I seem to remember feeling that it didn't have much light to it at all and it seemed to get darker and darker and darker were you watching it and with the, the telly only... turned off <laughs> 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 yeah i'd forgot to put money in the meter um but fantastic and opportunity for catherine tate to act act her Socks off stockings yeah. off her stockings off um, struggling? Really? <laughs> I'm struggling. Was that, 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 was that? Mm, I've got to think about redheads. Tate. Yeah, but Catherine Tate. Yeah, she's lovely. Oh, I love funny women. Do you? Yeah, Dawn Even French if it's like as a well. fridge with a wig. What? <laughs> well, we've, we've slightly. No, I, I don't. We've know, slightly can't. turned left from the subject mm-hmm. here, Lee. Sorry. Yeah, you can. It's your sixty seconds. That's right. Was. The only thing I didn't really like was the bug on the back. It's it seemed a bit silly. Forget it. The bug Your on 60 the back. seconds is up. Oh. <clears throat> you managed to get through the entire 60 seconds without saying a single thing. <laughs> well done. I said it was um, a very dark episode. You don't get that on the memory cheats, do you? The what? Ooh. <laughs> wow, that was wasn't really my fault, though, was it? Yeah, I'm sorry. But it's the way you say Catherine Tate. Mm. I know, I really like her. Really? I'm yeah. surprised. I just... No. It's funny oh my God, you know, it's just struck me, Mark. What? People are actually listening to this. They've downloaded this into their MP3 players. Well, it might not be by now, but... <laughs> yeah, sorry, let's, let's, let's get serious. <clears throat> this is the... Ah, uh, this is the Blue Box Podcast Questions Special. Yeah. So, what I In have here... Commas. What? Questions special. or special? <laughs> it's not very special so far. <laughs> well, in one way, it's kind of very special. Because we're incredibly relaxed. Right, we just have four sheets of A4 paper filled with questions that people have sent us. Excellent. And this week, just for a change, we're not going to talk about anything specific at all. I'm just going to read out the questions and we're just going to see what answers we come up with. Okay. So, we'll kick off with a question from Jenny. Jenny Blue Box 99 Hiya, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Super fan, Jenny. Mm. Oh, 
And she says, have I had to attempt at accents or anything like this with this? Funny voices? <laughs> no. Do you want me to not. do funny voices? No, oh, no. Where's Jenny from? <clears throat> She's from Blue Box 99. All right. Do a normal voice. Maybe do some accents later when you get really tired and strange. If, if you could be the doctor and needed a gimmick, for example, question mark umbrella or K9, whatever, what would your gimmick be? And that question goes to... I'm not doing and that question goes to. Anybody <laughs> chip in and give me an answer. Any ideas? God, it's really I want a tricky. I want a moustache. Okay. Lee I want a moustache. So you'd have to shave your beard off to get to the moustache. Yeah, I've got a beard at the moment. Obviously the listeners can't see that. But, I'm going to uh, have a beard next month. Peter Cushion had a moustache. And, he, you know, not not a real doctor as such. No. But I really like him. moustache But people forget that he has it and when you watch the film. You he's know so I'd good. Have? I just you just forget he's got a moustache. I'd have a pocket watch, not because of the new series, but because I've always had a pocket watch and I like pocket watches. Mm. Yeah, but what's its special ability? Or, it doesn't or, or have isn't. a special ability. It's just a, it's just a gimmick. The question mark umbrella didn't have a special ability. Right. Well, if I'm to have a moustache, then it's got to be slightly twirly, a bit like Poirot. Simon. Yeah. <clears throat> what would your gimmick be? Oh, gimmick. I don't know. Earring. Like, <laughs> There's never been a doctor with an earring. I'd no. have that trilby hat that Noel Fielding's got with the donkey ears coming out the top of it. That's nice. I'd have yeah. one of those. That's somebody else's idea, though, Mark, isn't it? Mm. Truth be known. Mm. Right, I'm moving on to the next oh, question. We, we should have come up with a brilliant answer for that. We didn't. I'm we very sorry. Have. It has no, to be pointed I think out. Was quite good, actually. I'd have a nice jacket. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what is this Christmas list? Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> hey, if you're going to be the doctor, if they're going to cast Cowboy you as boots. Doctor, Cowboy boots. Cowboy boots, a nice jacket, and yeah. what was the other thing you said? Chaps. An earring. Oh, an earring. No, you'd look like a mm. twat. <laughs> 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 I, I think I'd also like I'd a white cat. I'd wear any cat. of those things, by the way. I'd, I'd also earring. like a white cat. That's why you'd look so stupid. A white cat? Yeah. Blofeld? Yes, in that kind of way, I suppose. You could wear it on the head, like a little Russian hat. And we're moving on to Raph Edwards. What are the classic series? Oh, no, no, no. Rewind. Start that again. <laughs> and we'll move on to Raph Edwards. You can edit that, right? Not now that I've said this, obviously. I'll forget it. Raph Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Raph Edwards says, why are the classic series not released as an entire series box set? And are you aware of any plans to do so? I thought they'd been talking about that for a while. <clears throat> Lee's pointing at me because he yeah, thinks I'm the man you know, with the answers. You're the man with the answers. Because well, these questions we're getting, some of them are what would you do or what if, mm-hmm. and some of them are actual proper questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're all sort of, They're uh, all proper of, questions. Well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Some of them are questions to which there yeah. are technical mm-hmm. answers, technically mm-hmm. answers. And I've just mixed them all up as much as possible to try and make this episode mm. as random as possible. Why is the classic series not in a box set? Because I suppose. When they first started releasing the VHSs, they chose to release a single story first because back in the days of VHS, you didn't release box sets of series, not immediately. When Doctor Who started to be It'd released... Be back in, wouldn't it? Well, so what they're asking is a full season. Yeah. Yeah. In a box set. Yeah. That's a really good idea. I'm well, they sure they've mentioned it. I, I think once they finish the range, they've not bound mentioned to, it. It's I'm something sure I've read that in Doctor Who magazine. Have, no fans have mentioned it a lot. But Trial of a Time Lord oh. was exactly that. 
Optimus released as a box set. I thought yeah, I well, saw an interview with somebody at um, to so entertain, and they they said they were thinking Dan about Hall. that. Oh, because they asked him. He didn't bring it up. He didn't volunteer it. Okay. I think if you're going to do that, you'd have to include something else. Obviously, super special because there's so many extras now on the DVDs. What could you possibly add to the box set to make it? You wouldn't very, very do special? that though. You wouldn't release the box set for the fans who'd already bought the stories. You'd release the box set for people. For the newbies. Yeah. But also the fans, surely. No, the bo- the DVDs in the box set would be exactly the same as the ones in the single releases. If you were to put in each box set one extra documentary <clears throat> that was 60 yeah, minutes long. a pack long, of bubblegum. That made me buy it. And the box set was going to cost a fan 75 quid to buy mm. for a single 60-minute documentary, given that they'd got all the other stuff. Jog on. They'd go up the wall. I had a so rant. No. When the Davros box set came out, I had a rant about that online. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I knew. Well I don't know how I knew. I knew that they were going to release Remembrance hey. on its own afterwards. How about this then? You release the box set, and with it you release the full Target novels as well, or the season's worth of Target novels with it for free. And moving on. Yes. Oh, that was a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the it's, BBC it's a tricky subject, isn't it? Well, you really get a of course, we've got the Blu-ray. Did you know, did you know that, Lee? The yeah. Blu-ray of Spirit from Space coming out in January? <clears throat> I didn't know that. June. June. June, is it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was June. Okay, yeah. right. June. No, I didn't know it's that. Got that's going to show up. So that's yeah. the third release the, uh, of that. Oh, that's Ooh. not going to make people happy because people have bought the VHS of Spearhead. Yeah. And then that was issued in the 90-minute edit with all the credits and titles taken out. Yeah. So then when it was reissued with the credits and titles ta- put back in, a lot of fans bought it again. And then when it was one of the first DVDs released... Fans obviously bought that. Yeah. And then it was reissued. That's right. Yeah, with the in the cover. box with Terror of the Autons. So oh, even no, the and fans... it was reissued with a extra sleeve as well, wasn't it? It was part of the, the promotion. The O-ring. Yeah. That was called the O-ring. That's right. So you've already had five opportunities to buy it, the story, mm. let alone however many Target novels and different variations of the sleeve. So, you know... You can never fans. have too many Spearhead from Spaces. That's all I can say. I think it's Spearheads from Space. <laughs> Spearhead from Spaces. That's how I say it. You obviously didn't do Latin when you were at school. Ben from Indiana mm. says... <laughs> <laughs> ben from Indiana says, let's go to Pretend Town. You've got to Is listen to the... <laughs> You've got to listen to the questions, go otherwise on, you're not going to be able to answer them. That's JR, not Ben. Uh, let's... just called a twat. <laughs> Oh, I didn't answer the question for Raph. No, you didn't. You just skipped on. Back in the 1980s, most TV series weren't being released on VHS, right? And when they were, they would release them two episodes or four episodes on a tape at a time. And you'd collect the series by picking up uh, once a month the next tape. So the precedent was set to release these stories individually. Now, with Doctor Who, of course, all of these stories are discrete stories. So when it came to DVD, they just carried on with the precedent that had been set. Whereas with other TV series like Star Trek, you know, they didn't follow the precedent. They did release the box set. So Doctor Who will be in a box set, probably, almost certainly. But when it comes out in a box set, it'll be for people who've not bought the DVDs mm. already. <clears throat> so that'll be something ongoing, looking to the future, mm. looking to new people getting into it. Mm-hmm. Or people who've not dipped their toes in the water yet. Mm. Ben from Indiana. <clears throat> Hello, Ben. Let's go to Pretend Town and imagine that each doctor got the McGann treatment. In other words, they only did one story ever. Ooh. 
Now, their first story. After that, they were either fired, dropped, the show got cancelled, who knows, whatever. So, based only on their first story and nothing else, which Doctor is the best? Which one is the worst? Which one would you like to see more of? Now, just imagine, you've yeah, got to think... I've got it already. An Earthly Child, Spirit from Space, Power of the Daleks, Twin Dilemma. Which one comes off the best <laughs> and which one comes off the worst in only their first story? Go on, Lee, since you've got it already, we'll leave you to the last. Okay. Mark. Well, I'd say Troughton. Comes off best in mm. his first story. Yeah. Have you seen it? If I had, I'd be a very lucky chap, wouldn't I? Or just very old. Well, yeah. No, just older. <laughs> Does he come off best in his first story? All that stuff with the hats and the recorder and all the yeah, faffing well, around? Only, well, it doesn't take up the entire story, does it? Okay. And who comes off worst? Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, I, it's easy, isn't it? Mm, I yeah, it's pretty that's easy. one of two, isn't it? <laughs> Colin or Sylvester. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw I'll this s- out there. I'll say Sylvester. Sorry, Sylvester. Um... Talk, guys. I'm trying to burp over here. Tom. Tom. <laughs> 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 I got a burp. Tom Baker does extremely well. First episode. It's very, mm. very rounded. Yeah. Performance. Almost, he's almost Tom there from well. the off. Yeah. Um, and I'd also say, as far as a strong, yeah, probably tenant as well. But you kind of feel like the episode's designed for that. Yeah. So I'd say Baker really is the most rounded. What were you going to say, Lee? Then I was then? actually going to say Baker, but I yeah. think I've. And I was also going to say Earthly Child if everybody was going to say Baker. But I'm kind of thinking of Matt Smith, actually. I really liked his first episode. The more mm. I think about it, not the episode itself, but the way Him. he was as the oh, doctor. Oh, yeah, he was Straight amazing. away, he hit the ground he running. Was, he? And yeah. he hasn't really changed that much. You can tell that his skill in acting the part has got better. But generally speaking, he's acting older. I've changed my mind Isn't as well. Yeah. He's acting older. He's acting like Pat, basically. Oh, he right. does a brilliant mm. job. I'm changing my mind as well, Simon. You can have Tom Baker on your own now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Worst one. Oh, uh, Tom and the Rani. God. Mm. Oh, well, we're not talking about story. We're talking about Doctor. Tom and the Rani. God. Sylvester <laughs> McCoy. Tom and the Rani. God. Simon? Uh, I'd say Colin Baker, but I don't think that's his fault. I think it's the episode and it's, it's all this business of the regeneration going wrong. Yeah, but why? Completely one, cock up. I mean, but the question kind of takes that into account pretty much. It's... Okay, McCoy then. Okay, I'm going to throw mm. Peter Davison out there because at least Ooh. Colin and Sylvester had things to do in their first story. Mm. Peter <laughs> Davison basically just laid on his back for three episodes and then in the fourth episode just sort of wandered around looking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that Peter didn't do a very good job as being the, the doctor in that first story? We're not his. talking about whether the guy who was playing the part was any good. We're yeah, we talking are. Just, about... That's exactly what you said. About Sylvester. No, we're talking about the Doctor. The Doctor. As you get to see him in the first episode, right? Okay, so the Doctor So it's himself. not about whether the actor did a good job with the material, it's about whether the material presented a good Doctor. I'm going to rewind this. I'm sure that's not what you said. But anyway, yeah, okay. What about, um, what about, um, uh... After going on by Paul McGann, something like that. Pardon? Paul McGann? No one's going to say Paul McGann as a good or a bad? Is that a very mediocre... Yeah, perhaps if you'd listen to the question, you wouldn't be bringing that up now. <laughs> it's <laughs> just a way to stop on. it. Let's move on. Suki Kak. Now, as you are aware, oh, this question <laughs> was... We first put this... <laughs> we first put the idea for this podcast out, I don't know, three months ago? Yes. So this question was from, like, three months ago. 
Now, as you are aware, the Olympic ceremony was on last night. That dates this question exactly, doesn't it? (laughs) Even if you did miss it due to being on the radio show. Mm. As you may or may not know, there was supposed to be a Doctor Who segment, but due to time restrictions, it was cut. There was a brief TARDIS sound in the ceremony, but I missed it, so I can't confirm. What would you have liked to have seen in this Doctor Who segment? Uh, That's my question for you. But how topical it will be by the time you record this podcast, I don't know. The Olympics <laughs> might have finished by then. <laughs> just, just a only just. I mean, you, a montage, you know, of all the doctors, doctors doing their thing. There's so many fantastic edits now with great chunky music from the new series that would, would have made it look brilliant and sold it to the world, I think. Even okay, with all the back and stuff. But know. if you want to do something a bit special, you could do something. Stephen Moffat could have easily written a very short sketch for Matt Smith in the stadium itself, materialising by using, um, you know, kind of smoking mirrors or whatever, right in the middle of the stadium. Matt Smith walking out going, where the heck am I? Oops, I'm in the wrong place kind of thing. I'm walking back in again. Something really simple. Or he just gets out of the TARDIS and says, oh, got to get out of here, otherwise I'll see my last self and there'll be trouble. Mm. Yeah, something along those lines. They could have If there was a montage then, Simon, Mm. if there was, I mean, montage, that's not specific enough because there was going to be a montage. But if there was a montage and maybe it was themed for something to do with the Olympics or the culture of a country. Mm. What kind of a montage would we put together? What? In line with the Olympics? Well, not in line with the Olympics, but the Olympics was supposed to be a celebration of the country. Yes. So would you have, say, for instance, a montage of the British space programme, as we see it in things like Ambassadors of Death and Remembrance of the Daleks? I just think it's got to be iconic imagery from the series. That, yeah, okay. that, that sum up the, the TARDIS, because, the because Doctor Who is a, an absolute dog. cornerstone of the British media. Yeah, see, I'm surprised at Simon there because he's missed an opportunity to put Matt Smith in with the Pet Shop Boys and have like a little mashup. Oh, <laughs> Matt Smith in with Orbital was well, that, yeah. that worked. That was great. Pet Shop Boys were like completely baby. Waste, wasted in the Olympics anyway. Would so. you like a jelly baby? <laughs> <laughs> so what would your uh, visit from the Doctor be at the Olympics? Oh, definitely the British space programme. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Um, <clears throat> Steve from Manchester asks, are there any unquestioned assumptions among fandom that you disagree with? I, for one, have never agreed with the accepted wisdom that Tom Baker became far too silly towards the end. I suspect that's used as an excuse for the stories becoming shite and less fun. <laughs> Do people think that Adric was actually a wonderful actor, etc., etc.? You know, received wisdom. He's saying, are there any bits of received wisdom that you fundamentally disagree with? Well, Chibnallism's been knocked out of the water, hasn't it, this series? Oh, not for some not people. Not for some. Yeah. Really? Oh, mm. no, still a lot of Chibnall-bashing goes on. Bit of objectivity, mm. please. Well, I mean, I'm going to just take from that with the Adric thing. You know, uh, Matthew Waterhouse wasn't very good. Um, he probably would admit that, would he? But... He wasn't any good. It's as simple as that. Right, fact, he's asking you if there's any received what? wisdom that you disagree with. Oh, yeah, no, no Matthew Waterhouse was <laughs> a brilliant got a general Pip and Jane Baker, I think, get a hard time, don't they? Yeah, I would completely agree with you on both mm. of those things. Pip and Jane Baker, Chris Chibnall, all perfectly good writers. And by and large, Pip and Jane Baker wrote stories that were, for my money, head and shoulders above the ones that surrounded them. And, yeah, they got... You know, a total thrashing off the fans because they tried to do straightforward stories that made the Doctor out to be a clever person. I think I disagree with people t- giving J&T a hard time as well. 
actually quite like the guy and I think what he did was uh, a worthwhile attempt at keeping the show alive. Stayed in the job too long. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily was his kept choice. in the job yeah. too long, yeah. yeah. Mark, you were about to say. I would like to say I like the gunfighters. <gasps> that should have been mine. <laughs> I think that's one of those fa- things, though, that received fan wisdom's kind of turned on its head about anyway. Mm, maybe the tide's turning a bit. We'll see when, when the polls come up. Yeah. You know, we want it in the top 50, guys. I was going to ask you, since we're talking about received fan wisdom, about Pertwee bashing, because it was very fashionable among fans to say that John Pertwee's doctor <laughs> and his period was, you know, at the bottom of the. Yeah, he's still not my favourite. <laughs> That's oh. about as deep as it gets. See, that didn't work at all, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Although I did know exactly what was coming. Mm. Um, <clears throat> can I just quickly go back to Jenny at the beginning? Mm. Uh, I just want to ask her what her gimmick would be. Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> she can write back, <clears throat> obviously. Well, I'm hoping, I was going to suggest at the end of this show <laughs> that people write in with their own answers to the things that we've discussed. Well, maybe you go down a similar route to Peter Davis instead of having like some celery on your jacket. Have, maybe have like a hobnob or something. <laughs> that wouldn't last very long, would it? Mm. Especially against the tea monsters. Mm. Okay, as soon as we've brought it up, if you would like to get in touch with the Blue Box podcast, email us at blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Now, this is for everybody because... You know, although it's nice to hear from the same people, and we do like it, we'd always like to hear from new people as well. So if you've never emailed us, just email us. Even if all you do is forward the email that you wrote last night to your mum and just send it on to our address, (laughs) at least we'll have a chuckle, even if we don't know what it's all about. But yeah, if you want to come back on the things that we, we are talking about in this episode, find us on Facebook and do it on a thread there. We'll perhaps start one if we remember, or somebody will. Okay. And it'll be a thread of you all answering your own questions. So just on Facebook, look for the page Blue Box Podcast. Right, Sean M. Vale says, Why do so many old Who fans hate the McCoy era so much? Despite the rubbish music that plagued Who from the last season of Tom Baker on, I loved McCoy. I hated the Rani episode, but after that nonsense, it finally felt like things were back on track. My favourites were Paradise Towers, Remembrance, and especially Greatest Show. So why the dislike for that era? There's there's a quick answer and a longer one, isn't there? The quick answer is it was crap, uh, or it was cheap looking and cheaply made. I mean, I don't think the budget was any different from the seventies, in you know, relatively. But it just looks cheap. The 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 music is very cheap sounding. Mm. Uh, the monsters are pretty cheap looking. It's all on cheap videotape. Even some of the acting is hokey. Uh, the scripts weren't brilliant. So there's a lot of uh, weaknesses in the McCoy era. Sorry, I don't think the monsters look cheap after, I think, things Dragon like Fire. the Destroyer and... Mm. Yeah, but, know, but that was kind of getting near to the end. I'm talking about overall... No, I think the Dragon I think and Dragonfire looked way better than some of the things we'd seen in the past. But maybe they looked cheaper because they were on videotape. If you were to put them onto a, a different time. Anyway, but when you look at the 70s... There was a general feel that they weren't taking the programme seriously. That's well, I tell you that what, as well. it's because the cast for the though. past five years, Eric Sayed had been progressively trying to make it more and more and more for grown-ups. And then if it's suddenly, because it's been getting more and more and more adult, inverted commas, if it suddenly takes a leap back to being, you know, something that's not exclusively, but something that is aimed again at a family audience, 
course, all the people who've become fans when they were kids in the late 70s and have grown up with Doctor Who growing up with them in the 80s are suddenly going to turn around and say, oh my God, it's turned back into a kids' programme. Yeah, possibly, but I don't think it's just that. Because I wasn't saying it was just that. No, was... because, I mean, the atmosphere that was created by, say, the Hinchcliffe years has lived on in me. I, I don't know whether you get that kind of atmosphere from when you were growing up watching Sylvester McCoy. It'd be interesting to find out yeah, how they was... feel when they but watched But that them. atmosphere was only for those three years. I think Simon made a good point when yeah, we maybe. did the McCoy uh, episode that for most of us, <clears> when it came to that point where that's his first series came out, we were all getting towards that age where it was kind of, you know, getting into teenage years and it was almost kind of semi-embarrassing to watch something like that. We and were it was, growing up in the programme, yeah, wasn't That's yeah, how it yeah. felt. That is actually the, the probably the best answer, actually, mm. isn't it? You know, we were all growing up and getting embarrassed by it. Well, that's more or less what I just said. Yeah, but we weren't listening to you. <laughs> we listened to Mark instead. <laughs> I'm going back to the Receive Wisdom thing. I just want to say I love Eric Sayward. <laughs> you're too close to say that to JR. Put the knife. Put the Eric Sayward, he's the man who is really close to my heart. Like a bullet. In another way. Jenny, back to Jenny. You put some reverb over that get... I've been trying to bleep every Sayward, and I can't. How do I bleep you while you're singing? I suppose you could. Why do you want to bleep that word? That word, yeah, because what I word? think it's funny. Because in your in your world, it's a swear I noticed word. in one episode recently, <laughs> listening back, that when I mentioned that person, you bleeped it, and then when I mentioned him again, one sentence later, you didn't. Yeah, I know. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, rod from my own back. Nice. Yeah. Jenny comes back with. Uh, Oh, this is an interesting one. She actually asked this on Facebook of somebody else, but I asked her if we could have it in the episode because I thought it was an interesting question. Which famous film character would you most like to play? So it's nothing to do with Doctor Who. Ooh. Lee's going to bring it back to Doctor Who, so he has to choose somebody from one of the two Peter Cushing films. For the rest <laughs> of us, we have free choice. Lee promised that when we did this episode, if there were any questions that had nothing to do with Doctor Who, we'd bring it back to Doctor Who. So, Lee, which character from Doctor Who in the Daleks or Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 A.D. would you like to be? <laughs> Is uh, it the official title? Yeah, I think I'd like to be uh, the young Wilf. Okay, fair enough. Moving on, Simon. Well, do I have to stick with Doctor Who or anything? No, no, anything. no good. Any when I was a kid, it would have been Han Solo because he was the coolest character in any film anywhere but now it would have to be like some kind of simon Pegg character like sean from sean of the dead or something like that well loser (laughs) or someone in high fidelity or something like that more losers yeah well okay mark you talk while i think (laughs) yeah i have no idea i would probably like to be indiana jones oh i think that would be cool oh in that case i'm choosing rick deckard and we can have a harrison ford hat trick or in, no, I tell you what, his character in Regarding Henry, can't remember the name of the character. Oh, don't it was Henry for crying out loud. That's don't why know. the film is called Regarding Henry. He plays this real... of a character at the start of the film. Yeah. Real nasty piece of work. Horrible yeah. to his kids, horrible to his wife, horrible to the hired help, horrible to everybody. And uh, then he goes down to the shop to get some milk. 
and he gets shot. And then the next 90 minutes of the film is him recovering after he has had amnesia and growing to love his wife again and learning to live with his kids again and turning into a nice person. Till at the end of the film, he gets his memory back mm. and realises he doesn't want to turn back into that person. But while he's not getting his memory back, it's like being a kid and learning things new in a grown-up body. Who wouldn't want to be in their grown-up body when they're learning all the stuff a kid learns? When they're finding things out for the first time? Mm. That would be brilliant. And not only that, you'd get to go to bed every night with a net benning. I know I had to say my Doctor Who thing, but actually, I quite like to be Hellboy. He's awesome. Oh no, it has to be Harrison Ford now. We've kind of done no, the Harrison it's Ford Hellboy. thing. Hellboy. Like his character in American Graffiti. Actually, he's nasty, but he's quite a good character. Hellboy's character in American Graffiti. No, Harrison Ford's. I character. know. If it was TV, it'd be Timothy Claypole. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can play the fat version with this beard easily. You do. That's just every typecasting. Time we record this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I'll move on. Oh, I got the bad wind tonight, boys. The bad wind. Just while I got a cold. Pardon me. <laughs> ben from Indiana says, back in the JNT episode, you all pretty much agreed that a producer can ultimately be held to blame for the show's successes and failures. I think he meant, means be held accountable. <laughs> For the show's successes and failures, because at the end of the day, the producer is the one signing off on everything. With this in mind, I'd like to ask each of you this question. Which producer of Doctor Who was the worst, based on the worst costume designs that they approved and signed off on? Hey, Graham Williams! But I love those. Oh, go on, say some of the costumes. What, Sarah Jane? Costumes? Do you mean just like in general? I mean, the the Nightmare of Eden, the hoodies were just so brilliantly cheesy. I love them. Nightclub. That's nightclub wear for the future. Right, okay, but I think you're talking about what you don't like. Oh, all right. I thought you were going to come out with the ones that they have in Underworld, like those really rubbish pants costumes in that. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it is. You know, Patrick Troughton's, um, you, you, I can't remember the producer. Um, Peter Bryant. Thank you. That era was pretty bad. Yeah, me yeah. and Ben actually emailed back and forth That's on this, and we bad. came to that Hang conclusion on, isn't that all knocked out? Was Peter Bryant still there for... Um, <clears throat> was he there for the mine robber? Oh, I can't remember, because they swapped over a few times. So he's costumed, during the surely Bryant. knocks out any bad ones. Well, that's true, actually. That's a neutraliser, isn't it? It is. It's a trump card, isn't it, that one? Good God. Oh, I don't know how you can use the word trump when she's got her ass pointing at the screen. <laughs> just <laughs> just look at that backside. Right and, right. <laughs> oh. and seeds of death with those sort of boiler suits with the sort of what look like Y fronts over the top of them. That's not a good look. And no. the Ice Warriors, the costumes in that are pretty bad as well. But seeds mm. of death takes mm. the biscuit. What was the other one? There was another one Ben and I were talking about... I like the guys with the um, bouffants in um, Space Museum. <laughs> oh, yeah, that goes back to Verity Lambert. Oh. But, yeah, we kind of... Well, it's came... obvious to go McCoy, isn't it? Because some of those are pretty... Costumes? Yeah, absolutely. Name some? Ace's costume. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That was pretty bad. That's James. Well, so Mr. McCoy's I would certainly say that's worse than Colin Baker's costume. Because it's... It's trying so hard. Yeah. And failing so badly. Yeah. Hmm. Is that, that's quite, Marky a, that's Mark. quite a good question, really. Yeah, it's what a sort of middle-aged man thinks a cool, hip teenage girl would wear. 
mm-hmm. rather than something authentic. So we're kind of on the fence between Peter Bryant and JNT, right? Mm, yeah. Over yeah. bad yeah. costume choices. Well, if, if if it's to do with extreme bad costume choices, oh, I would say RTD bad. for the dullness of his costume choice for the future. It's about bad costumes. Jeans and t-shirt in the future. That's not a bad costume. <laughs> They're still mm. doing that with um, End of the World. The Beast Below. Uh, end of the World, second... Uh, Chris Freckleston story. People going around in jeans and t-shirt in the future. That's what I yeah, mean. that's yeah, what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. I thought you meant. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, what? no. RTD. Yeah, I've come. I've come up to the. Ignore me, listeners. The sorry. near future. You usually do. Pardon. The near future past. <laughs> it's like the so silence, sweet. isn't he? What did you, What did you just say? In the suits. Oh uh, no no yeah so RTD for dullness but what did we decide then? It was kind of. Well, we didn't decide between Peter or... Bryant and John Nathan Turner. Are we going to make oh, a choice between I, those I, two? Peter, Peter Bryant. Collectively? Peter Bryant. Go on then. It's obvious to go Nathan Turner, isn't it? Yeah, I said <laughs> Peter Bryant as well because they were some pretty shockingly bad Entertaining though. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, and me and Ben, we emailed back and forth after and sent this question. And, and in the end, we did decide on Peter Bryant as well. <clears throat> but in his original email, he also added this. Personally, I have to go with J&T, of course. Exhibit A, the gleaming white costumes the pirates wore in Terminus, complete with the overly huge plastic bubble helmets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, signed off on by J&T. Exhibit B, the puffy tunics and white Mo Howard wigs worn by the <laughs> non-religious people in Meglos. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They were bad. They were bad. <laughs> Signed off on by JNT. The dress Nissa wears in Snake Dance. Oh, oh, Ooh. the deck chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, that's a bad one. Are we going? Are we going Actually, back yeah. to Can JNT I change my vote? I'm not because I think it, the amount of years that JNT had in service and the amount of mistakes he made are going to be more. You know. Yeah. Plus, there's more variety. I think in JNT you do get all these <laughs> bad ones, but you also get ones that aren't so bad and ones that are probably actually pretty good as well. I don't know. I can't think of any that are pretty good, but but J and T is like some bad, some not so bad. Whereas Peter Bryant, can you name a decent costume apart from Zoe? No. Join that sort of latter Patrick Troughton. No. I mean the gong. The, are they called the gongs in the Crotons? No, the <laughs> what are the natives in the Crotons called? I think it was the gongs, wasn't it? As I'm sure some oh, of the Dominators black pants under a see-through silver tunic. <laughs> <laughs> On the fellas. Oh. oh, what was the um, character called in... I think that was in the same story where he's wearing effectively like a dress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awful. Oh, yeah. yeah when really people go to conventions, they should pick the worst costumes oh. and emulate them. I tell you what, next time they have a convention, instead of everybody going as David Tennant or Tom Baker yeah. or whatever, they should all go as characters from 1968 and 1969. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it wouldn't cost them very much. <laughs> It would cost them a lot of risk. I'd love to go as a croton. <laughs> I'd love to go as a croton. <laughs> That'd be so unwieldy in the toilet. I just thought it? they were brilliant. You wouldn't need to go to the toilet. You just have a little tube, <laughs> a little bottle at the end of it. I just collect it in a little crystal flask. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ben. He's still going with Ben's email. Um, oh, Colin Baker's costume. Requested and demanded by JNT. Uh, but seriously, he says for him, the worst costumes were the embarrassing space pirate costumes in Terminus, which were just unforgivable. 
yeah, and Warriors of the Deep. They were terrible there as well, weren't they? Yeah. Ooh. Actually, there's kind of a... There's some of those costumes, Warriors of the Deep particularly, but Terminus as well, just remind me of a kind of 80s updated version of the sort of Seeds of Death and Space Pirates type yeah. costumes from the 60s. Really. Well, it's like, you know, the, the, the video Starship Trooper was trying to be, you know, a bit retro from the from the 60s and uh, all in colour and glittery. And then JNT saw that and went, those are make great costumes in Doctor Who. <clears throat> See, there's nothing more embarrassing than a badly imagined futuristic costume. Raph re- Edwards. So the recycled Blake 7 costumes as well in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and vice versa, backwards and forwards with those, I think. Mm. Uh, Raph Edwards comes back. Uh, this is on a completely different subject, but, and we are recording this on the Thursday before it starts, what are your thoughts on Wizards versus Aliens, says Raph. The kids will love it, I expect. You're not looking forward to it. Mark not is really the bothered s- either way. Mark is a Scrooge. He's a you misery guy. You were sitting on the fence like custard the cat. Bah, humbug. We had a, we had a po- possible chance to look at these um, uh, episodes early to review them, right? Before anybody else in the country. And Mark goes, eh, no, not bothered really. Miserable. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> it, it looks really good. For, I can't wait to watch it. Does, has anybody seen it yet? Have we seen? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, what did you think? Oh, it's great. There you are, see? Mark, Of course, misery. by the time this podcast go, podcast goes out, everybody will have seen is it. Is it a different animal from Sarah Jane? Um, it is and it isn't. It is. Yeah, because it's... Same what animal audience. is it? Because it's written by the same people. Is it a donkey? filmed by the same people. Is it a llama? Yeah, if you could describe that, that series uh, in a, as an animal, what would it be? I'm going to describe Mark as an earthworm. <laughs> Basically, because in the next five seconds, if he doesn't shut up, he's going to be in the ground. Don't, don't come <laughs> in too. We only want one. Or a fish. He'll be swimming in the... No, that doesn't work, does it? Whatever. <sighs> no, you need, you need to get your mafia threats right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no point in me saying what Wizards vs. Aliens is like to a listening podcast audience who saw it a month ago <laughs> this is true so I'm not going to describe it we're going to have that conversation at half time with our cup of tea well his question was what do we think about it we haven't really answered that apart from me going Meh. these two are looking well, forward well literally to it. all I've seen is the trailer with the orange people yeah. that's all I've it seen looks like, it looks like the uh, Grask Extra that we had a few years back with the red Red button. I tell you what, when you like, actually kind of fun. get into it and you see a bit more of them rather than just a couple of fairly brief shots, they're more like yellow predators in Sontaran costumes. Ooh. Oh. But tall. They're like tall Sontarans, uh, but when they take their helmets off, they look a bit more like the predator, but yellow. Right. That's how I'd describe it. Yeah. There are like 50,000, well, no, there's about 50 people now listening to this <laughs> podcast are all going what's he talking about do the do the actors play it straight do they treat it like any other drama all apart from brian blessed oh come on mark it's got brian blessed in it <laughs> i've got trial of the time Mark's for that. A cynic. go on brian blessed uh, yeah he's all right isn't he yeah there you are you've got to watch it for that surely was that Homer Simpson saying the words Brian and Blessed? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay, um, Jeff Waddell. <clears throat> hey, oh, Jeff. this is a this is a 
interesting question. This is a fairly standard Doctor Who question, but it's one that I don't think we've necessarily properly covered. I think we brought it up in a very early podcast. Which of the missing stories would you most uh, would would you, would you be most happy to be found? Mm-hmm. Even including e- the partly missing stories. As I'm well. going to jump in there quick. Evil of the Daleks. Yeah. Mm. I really want to see that. Yeah. Because as we speak, there's a big rumour that, well, there's just about been scotched now that um, Power of the Daleks has been found. Scotched? Yes. What does that mean? To scotch a rumour. means to... Dismiss the breadcrumbs and... Never heard of like that. Like an egg. Really? No. Is that a northern thing? You work in a library, no. Lee. Yeah, but I, I don't read you up on colloquialisms. From but Yorkshire. colloquialisms <laughs> usually occur in books. Uh, <clears throat> no, I've never heard of that one. Never heard of Hands someone scotching a rumour? Pardon? You never heard of someone scotching a rumour? No. You, you haven't either, Mike. Just I have. Me. Of course he has. <laughs> it's pretty song. scotching a rumour. You've heard of that, Stupid Simon, right? I've heard of it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You, you liars! I promise you. <laughs> All right, go on then, get on with it. <clears throat> scotching yes. a rumour. Well, uh, apparently Annika Wills oh, was at a convention and said that somebody in Australia had found Power of the Daleks and they were keeping it secret till oh, next year. What a shame. But apparently she didn't mean it and it was some kind of a joke that sort of got badly misinterpreted by yeah. fans. <laughs> now, it's not like the fans, is it? No. There's also Poor this Anakin. other rumour. This fella says that some mate of his, his dad, <laughs> has got 24 episodes of Doctor Who in tin cans in his loft. And apparently he's a fan of Doctor Who, but he's just been... Keeping them there these past 30 years. As you do. Yeah, because, you know, he just hasn't bothered to give them back yet. And apparently, and this is how you know these rumours are ridiculous, among these 24 episodes are six episodes of Evil of the Daleks, which are one, three, four, five, six, and seven. In other words, the only one of Evil of the Daleks he hasn't got is the one we already have. These rumours are designed to get your hopes up, yeah. get your <clears throat> yeah. spine tingling, and nothing else. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Evil of the Daleks. <laughs> it's Lee. a great story, so it would be a, f- a lovely thing to have. Would you me. go with that as well? Yeah, possibly. I'd, I'd really like to see Power of the Daleks, just purely to see Patrick mm. Trout's first story. Just, it's all and the co- Daleks as well, of course. Ob- obviously, yeah. For me, it's a close one between Power or Master Plan. I think Daleks Master Plan would be quite a cool one to see. Yeah. Jeff Waddell says at the end of his email, I'd go for the Dalek Master Plan every time. Mm. Mm. What, just because there's loads of them or because it's just... It's like putting meatloaf on in the jukebox, isn't it? You get more for your money. <laughs> well, <laughs> not really. Think about the quality, oh, I'm quality over quantity, just, mate. That's why people put meatloaf <laughs> on it. That's why people put meatloaf on the jukebox, is purely to get their value for money. Either that or American Pie. Oh, God. Because it's just gone now. forever. The thing about no, the thing about Dalek Master Plan is that it's twelve episodes of Daleks directed by Doug Camfield and written by Terry Nation, mm. Dennis Spooner, and mm. Donald Tosh, three of the big voices from the early years of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. So it's a story. Even if it was only six episodes long, it would still be a fascinating thing to see because it brings all those elements together, and mm. it's the only place where you can get all those elements together. Yeah. So it, I'm not going to argue with that, actually. You know, what about Tenth Planet? Wouldn't we like to see... I'm not really that fussed, no, either, strangely enough. Like, yeah, We've the animation will do me fine. Mm. Marco Polo would be a good one to find, yeah, wouldn't it? Perhaps the earliest historical. 
I'd quite like to do one of the sort of uh, slightly less fastidious historicals from the end of the run, like the smugglers of the Highlanders. Yeah, Particularly yeah. the smugglers. I've always had a soft spot for that. But mm. also the massacre. Massacre is mm. one of those stories apart that's like really I know different. very little about the massacre. Yeah, it's so different from all the other stories and all the other historicals. That's would be, to me, quite an interesting one to be able to watch. Didn't um, you say you'd like to see the crusade? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I'm just thinking, you know, uh, smugglers, because you'd find mm. four episodes. And with the crusade, we've got the best episode. You know, episode three, definitely the best episode in that story. We've got it already. So, you know, choice between the two, <coughs> completing the crusade or getting a whole story like the smugglers, I'd go for the smugglers. Mm. Good choices. Mm. Uh, uh, Richard Hugh Parkin says, congratulations. The BBC... The BBC? The BBC. <laughs> have hey, the BBC. Uh, this is the Blue Box podcast. you got to be swimming with our fishes. Magazine. And, and for the Sean next Connery. 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Dr. Her, so you don't... There was something went horribly <laughs> wrong there, didn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. Richard Hugh Parkin says, congratulations. The BBC have just announced that you will be playing the Doctor in the oh, new sweet. series of Doctor Who. We've got quite a view like this. His rumours are ridiculous. Cool. Um, please, can you describe what your Doctor's costume will look like? Oh, my God. He also Ooh. suggests that once you've described it, we'll go off and draw or collage our costumes and post them on the Facebook page. Oh, my uh, God. David Adams have a field day with that, won't he? In fact, by the time we get home, <laughs> David Adams <laughs> will already have uploaded them. I've got, it's going to be the quintessential Victorian gent for me. Got to be, you know, even with a top hat and a twirly moustache. We've got those um, cartoons I did on um, the Phonic Screwdriver page, haven't we? Oh, yeah, you sorry, Simon. Yeah, I'd like a costume just like Simon drew me in in the Phonic Screwdriver page. Can't Thank you, mate. The Victorian gent. Mark, any thoughts, costume for your doctor? Um... <laughs> I'd go for something simple. Um, Colin tracksuit has said many times that he would have preferred a black suit rather than the monstrosity he ended up with. So, yeah, something, something just neat lines. Would like you, you said, a, going back to the first Doctor waistcoat, maybe. Would you have a wig, bring it back now for Matt Smith, you noticed? Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah. Um, like a pair of Speedos. That would sort you out, wouldn't it, Mark? Would you have a wig, Mark? No, no, no. I go au naturel. Would you? Would you? Yeah. Well, well, Simon, just a basic brief outline. Are you the same, or would I you really, go somewhere you know different? I really like the look they've come up with of Paul McGann. This new look that they've done with the bag, with the man bag, the man bag, oh, yeah. with the leather, maybe jacket. without the bag. The but I do like the look. I don't, about the, I don't know about the man bag. What's that all about? No, I'm not sure about the bag. So oh, I, is it is it leather he's wearing or PVC? Because if it's PVC, I'm not interested. Is <laughs> <laughs> it <a> canvas? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I would be I have to say I'd be inclined to go more Hartnell Troughton as well it reminds me of Mr Tumble's bag for some reason <laughs> I don't know why what, Mr Tumble from CBBC yeah from CBBC yeah. Yeah. I tell you what though if you're going to go like <laughs> the Edwardian gentleman don't overdo it like the Paul McGann in the TV Victorian. movie Victorian or Edwardian well the uh, yeah, that was a Halloween costume though wasn't it it was kind of it was yeah. actually a uh, uh, Hickok, uh, Hi- Wild it? Bill Hickok. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was a, a, quite a nice twist because it's yeah. an American yeah. person. But my person, point is, but it looks of, English. Uh, it didn't look, and yes, this is partly because mm. it was a costume. It didn't look lived in. It didn't look like clothes. It looked like a costume. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, you've got to make it look lived in. You've got to do 
had Patrick Troughton on it. Mm. And that's what mm. I did. That's yeah. what we can keep thinking yeah, of, and I will do the drawings. I'll do the drawings for it. But we've all come up with pretty dull answers, really, haven't we? No, I always say we need to go away and Sarah think about Sarah Jane's it. Andy Pandy costume from The Hand of Fear. That's handy, because you've actually already got one. <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> I love I the really, deck chair costume. I love that costume. I don't think anything sums up Sarah Jane during the 70s more than the Andy Pandy costume. It's wonderful. Yeah. I don't know why people bleat on about it sometimes, because uh, I think she looks fabulous. In it. Yes. Lee, yeah, Adric costume for you? Don't you dare, Mark. <laughs> or would you perhaps wear the costume that Rani wore as Mel in Time in the Rani? Oh, I wouldn't mind being in the same costume. <laughs> <laughs> Including the, the ginger wig as well. Simon <laughs> mm. yeah, would no, appreciate quite that. Like the idea of um, wearing a, uh, a dinner suit like David Tennant does on the Titanic. Would if we? If you wore that all the time. Quite cool. If we were to wear the costumes that we've said, which would basically all be fairly ordinary and leaning towards the early Doctor's costumes, would we mix it up with A, hats, and B, modern footwear? Decorative we... vegetables. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd like a bowler. Bowler hat. That works out quite nicely. Because if you have a top hat, that makes you more like a gent, I suppose. So stick a bowler on it, it makes you more like a freak show host, doesn't it? A bit of a hawker from the street. Yeah, I like it that. Makes you look like an extra from... Twelve monkeys. I know what I look like in my mind, and it looks brilliant, Jr. Don't diss it. Shoes, <laughs> shoes. Well, whatever Victorian people wore those nice pointy shoes. Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> Crocs. Crocs. <laughs> That's disgusting. They're comfortable. Colin loves them. I can't stand Crocs. The sick doctor. Mm. Would you wear trainers or would you wear shoes? Spats. <laughs> I'd probably have a pair of DMs. DMs work. I think uh, mm. I think Matt's DMs are great. They look great. I don't like his tucked in trousers though. Oh, it's alright. I love the way he walks. That's got nothing to do with the costumes, but he's just so funny. He is funny, isn't he? Um Steve from Manchester says if each of you had only discovered Doctor Who with the revived series in two thousand and five, do you think that you would enjoy classic Who? Mm. It's tricky. Isn't uh, it's it? hard. We're already into that kind of thing. Are we the same age? <laughs> you're talking about like now. Just, yeah, I, yeah. Have to, I don't think it really matters. I'm, not if you're a kid. Mm. If you are I, a person who has just discovered Doctor Who with Christopher Eccleston and onwards, love of Doctor Who has been revived to a certain extent by the new series. So I think I would. I think I would appreciate the old series. But, um, I think I was saying, imagine if you'd never seen the old series when you were growing up. Well, you've got to be predisposed to that type of storytelling and science fiction and fantasy anyway to like the new series. So therefore, you probably would delve into the past, wouldn't yeah. you? And I think I would like it, yeah. I, I, it's interesting because you can look at it from a kid's perspective, can't you? You can look at it from my son, who looks at the new series. That's what his his doctor is, David Tennant, okay, and Matt Smith. And then when he watches the old ones, you hear what he says crumbs these were a bit slow these are a bit old these are a bit oh look at that that's really cheesy and blah 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 but he still really likes the storytelling he still loves them but he prefers the fast-paced storytelling of today's stories so i don't think steve's asking hypothetically no i know, I know. he's asking would you do you for instance uh okay here's another way to put it now that the new series is on and now that we're all doing the podcast so we're all sort of we're a bit more involved in mm. being Doctor Who fans than we 
were necessarily maybe a year ago, right? Or a couple of years ago. But have we gone back and newly discovered other old series from the 60s and 70s? Have you gone back and found things that you never saw in the 60s and 70s? Have you sought them out? Because maybe that will give you an idea of whether you're the kind of person who would have gone back to old series. Because I think there's a huge amount of... um, Go on, uh, sorry. Go on, Simon. Yeah. And then come to Mark after. Nostalgia is a big thing for me. Yeah, so if it's things you've and never nostalgia's seen. Not, yeah, if the nostalgia wasn't there, it's an interesting point, actually, that I yeah, would, so I would probably ep- investigate the old series to see the, the past and the chronology of the character and see where he's come from. I'd probably be fascinated to see who the other Doctors were. But if it's, a, so if it's an episode or a story that you're not connected to with nostalgia yeah. and you've never seen before, yeah. so say like going back and watching the gun fighters for the first time or whatever mm. you are looking at it with fresh eyes you know the characters and you know the, the series is doctor who yeah but you are looking at it with fresh eyes so yeah i think yeah it's for any mm, i don't know mark what do you think uh well i went out and bought the complete avengers box set i love it i think it's great but i'm not sure whether it's a chicken and egg thing whether i would have been so keen on that sort of era of tv if i hadn't grown up Liking Doctor Who fan. the older Doctor Who, or whether that's informed my decision to like it, it's it's hard to, to get a grasp on that. Going back and looking at old series from the sixties and seventies, are there series that aren't genre that aren't you know in the Doctor Who sort of sphere of influence that you've gone back to look at? For instance, I don't know, random example, Thriller. Does everybody remember the series Thriller? No. Right, so none of us have gone back and found Thriller. (laughs) No. Say the Sweeney. Have any of us gone back to revisit the Sweeney? Yeah, yeah, I have. I watched it. I found it quite dull, actually. I do like... I had it on the other night, actually. Do you not think you might find the old Doctor Who's a bit dull? Some of them are, actually. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) They are dull, some of them. Dominators. They certainly are when compared to modern television. Hmm. So I just wonder if perhaps we would or not. Because I couldn't swear if I, you know, obviously I'm predisposed to like it. And part of what makes you predisposed to like it is all the history that goes with it. Yeah. Mm, But if you were coming to it completely fresh and you weren't invested in any of that history, Mm. I'm not entirely sure you probably would. I don't know. I mean, curiosity would take you there, wouldn't it? I mean, the new series, you'd love the new series. You know it's the nth Doctor. You'd go, right, there's so many others. Let's let's go and have a look at the others. And I think you would. You'd probably pick up a a Tom Baker and go, that's that's what happened to us anyway. I mean... You know, watching the tail end of Tom Baker and Peter Davison, and I was, when the Five Faces of Doctor Who came out, I was utterly captivated by the old Doctors. By the old black and white stuff. Yeah. yeah, mm. True. I think being a fan from way back, it's kind of a little bit like being a football fan. You kind of stick with it, even if the team's not doing that great. Mm. And you all <laughs> just keep even watching Even if it spends 10 years in the third division. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, perhaps coming at it from a new perspective, I don't know whether you would or not. Tricky one, that. I think curiosity, as you said, would take you there, but it might not keep you there. Mm. We have listeners who've gone back and tried it and don't like it and haven't bothered with any more. Really? Yeah, Mm. we do. Well, I would have said take one from each doctor. And, 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 you know, take advice from somebody who knows Doctor Who. Watch the best episode of each of those um, Doctors. And then I think that's pretty much what's happened and they've not liked it and haven't bothered anymore. Sometimes it only takes one 
one episode, like you say, or one story, one good story to get your mind in that gear because you do have to change gear for it, don't you? In your Very, you do. definitely, yeah. In fact, actually, you know, Steve's email, he wrote me another email on the same subject and I turned that into the subject of my uh, column in the next issue of the magazine and actually that will probably pretty much coincide with this podcast. Mm-hmm. So Hope you give Steve a credit. I did. Well done. Of course I give Steve a credit. <laughs> I always use the analogy of music, but it is much like coming across a band who are about 10 albums in and then going back and discovering the other stuff, even though it's completely different. Mm. But you can appreciate it and you do find different things to like in it. So. Yeah, imagine picking up Sergeant Peppers and then going back to Please Please Me. Yeah. Or picking up well, Dark Side uh, of the Moon and going back to listen to Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Very different. Or The Wall, even. Mm. Go further. Oh, what's that one with the funny name? Wagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagamagam
another time. Right, next question. Shall we midnight move on really to another translates quest? it, isn't it? Got him. Midnight is one, isn't it? Because that's where he actually translates what it means. Actually, having thought about it a bit more, if I was uh, the doctor, all that running around, I'm quite unfit. So I, my catchphrase would probably be, <sighs> "I just need to have a sit down for a minute." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, maybe here's a catchphrase. Then should we talk about this? Uh, Do. Yeah. Right, I'm going to another question. To sell buns. <laughs> He definitely says Alonzi in Voyage of the Damned as well, of course. Yeah, Alonzi. And he said it at least three times before Voyage of the Damned and Midnight's afterwards, so that's five. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. He's sorry. got loads, he's I'm got loads. So he still says so that now, doesn't he? Sorry. Yeah, he did. Matt Smith said it quite recently, which I thought was quite <clears> nice. Addition. He did, actually. Yeah. Is that in one of Chris Chibnall's episodes? Very possibly. Because it might have been a little bit of a nod and a wink. The irony is that Sylvester McCoy never said it, did he? What's that? I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and Colin Baker's doctor is the one who had it said to him over the phone by JNT. Yeah. Uh, Raph Edwards says, I believe lots of the early series were destroyed or lost. Have any mysteriously turned up in ex-BBC staff lofts, as many other randomly missing cans have in the past? Uh, he's talking about the missing episodes turning mm. up and where they've come from, basically. Mm. And he's wondering if they've turned up in you know, the lofts of people who used to work at the BBC. I don't know. I think some probably did, didn't they? I mean, well, the last was two a... that turned up did. Yeah. They yeah. were in somebody's loft, an ex-BBC employee. <coughs> well, I mean, the, major- the majority is in foreign TV companies, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's, that's where the majority is. There was a very up. good article in Doctor Who magazine, actually, about it. Really good. Based on the book, Wiped by Richard Molesworth. Right. That's, he does a lot it. of the info text, doesn't he, on the DVD? Yeah. Mm. And he's put together basically the whole story of where the episodes went and mm. why they never came back. And then, of course, he gets into the story of the hunt for them and which ones have turned up and how and why. Mm. McGarvey's got them all, hasn't he? I'd say, as, as Doctor Who fans, you should go out to car boot sales, you know, or when you go out to car boot sales, look at all the largest lorries there they've got all the tat out which is normally a house clearance and just look for those silver canisters Robert Mugabe's watching Doctor Who that we can't God somebody get a plastic bag I'd love to picture trout and what I can't do this (laughs) (laughs) what what was that will you do it what's his accent like I'm trying to do South African we were trying to talk backwards for a minute South African accent is it be we need to have a turn at doing a really bad episode. We've only been going for 20 minutes. Um, Gary Davison, how much control over their appearance do Time Lords have? Romana tried on several looks before picking to look before choosing to look like Lala Ward. And the master in Utopia said something like, if the doctor can be young, so can I. While in Time Crash, the 10th Doctor said to the 5th, when I was young, I was always trying to be old and grumpy and important. Like you do when you're young. Great line, by the way, Mm. says Gary. He says, is it just that the Doctor is a bit rubbish at this regenerating lark? He always seems surprised by his new appearance. And then he quotes, nose, I've had worse, chin, blimey, and still not ginger. So, Mm. do Time Lords... He's wondering, and I suppose we've talked about this before, but anyway, 
do Time Lords, the ones who learn to do it properly, get to choose what they look like? I think so. The ones who learn to do it properly, well, that's like you say, with people like Romana, then yes. But What's did that? she get to choose what she looked like? I suppose she did, because yeah, she, she did. chose to look like Astra, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, she did. I was going to say, those bodies she tried on, were they just random bodies that she happened to try on? Had she picked them deliberately, or they just what she came up with when she was trying? But I suppose if she chose to look like Princess Strello, then she must have picked... Yeah, I think so. But it's never really uh, addressed in the early series at all, is it? I don't think it's addressed in the new series. But I like the fact that the Doctor doesn't know and he's always well, surprised because that's his unpredictable, quixotic nature, isn't it? Well, yes, and we also came to the conclusion that his regenerations always happen under crises, don't they? Yeah. His ones do, yeah. yeah. Whereas the Time Lords generally just grow old and then change. He doesn't get yeah. to relax and regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a terrible TV program, that doesn't it? Oh, we have to have that on here. That's be our new catch. That'll be my new catchphrase. Relax and regenerate. <laughs> Did you give him chocolate before the show? I think he's had some Smarties. Something out of THX. You know the bit in the end of time, right at the very, very, very end, when Matt Smith comes out of the regeneration. And he's up there on, not quite on tippy toes, but, you know, the regeneration. He's got his head thrown back. And as Matt Smith comes out of the regeneration, the look on his face, shock, horror, pleased, relieved, all these things on Matt Smith's face, all in the one expression. Yeah. An absolutely astonishing piece of acting. And just two seconds. Yeah. Great spitting yeah. acting as well. It, I'm it sorry, is, am I spitting? Do you know what we didn't touch on when we did the regeneration episode? Is this idea... We'll have none of that talk of touching around here. Is it, We didn't touch on the, the fact of, is it the death of a person? Or is it the person becoming someone else? It's really interesting. I like. I find that really... Oh, we didn't touch on it, did we? Because you wanted to talk about the production side. That was it. I said I was going to do an episode on my own about it. The one thing, the one, pro the one problem with that Matt Smith scene. No, not two episodes, JR, just the, the one. The one problem with that <laughs> that Matt Smith scene right, is the music. Fingers. Murray Gold's music. If I remember right, it's really loud. Yeah. And, it's, and it's telling you how to feel and think all the way through it. Comedy bits and all that. And I just wanted him to stop playing. I wanted to hear Matt Smith talk because I couldn't hear. Oh, no, I like that. Saying. What, really? Yeah. Bear in the Big Blue House style. Yeah. Hey, I'm not a girl. It's just a bit over the top. No, because you get like a little prelude to the Lamp Doctor's theme. I really like it. Yeah, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. And that's the main part of... Put the subtitles on. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to. Simon, every cell in his body dies and regenerates. Right. So he turns into a new person. But his mm. memories... So is it the same yeah. situation as in human nature where he didn't want to stop being John Smith? Yeah. Same situation. Yeah. So it's his memories. Get... I would right. say that's received. So it's a mini death though, isn't it? It's not a proper death. It's still the same person. It's the death of that man, but that man's memories carry on in a new man, essentially. I, that's how I, yeah. that's kind of how mm. I'd put it. Because he does remember himself being the old person, yeah. but, you know, like Colin Baker says, "Oh, he had a feckless charm that just wasn't me." Yeah, he you know, has, he, oh, I don't want to be him anymore. I'm this person now. Hey, he has yeah. the memory of what happened to that person, but it's mm. almost as if another like man's memories have been so, put in his well, head. Sorry, split set personality thing going on. Yeah, in some respects. Yeah, Luke Riley. I'm not sure if we've heard from Luke Riley prior to this, 
because I think he's emailed us since, but it's been so long since <laughs> we put out the fact that we were going to do this yeah, podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Are we Hello. apologising to Luke? Yeah. Hello, Luke. Okay, weird things have gone on in the room, and there's an aeroplane going overhead. That's all right, carry on. It's a helicopter. It's a skateboard. Please helicopter. Of it is. Yeah. Please helicopter. Relax and regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Riley says, uh, Hello, my name is Luke. Hello, Luke. And I am a new Master gaming Luke. writer at Starburst. I'm from Sunderland, near Newcastle. Oh, he sent his, he sent his CV by accident. <laughs> <laughs> be not afraid he says i am not a typical geordie uh he says, somewhat see, scathing of geordies there, I think. well he says see oh. geordie sure mm. i joined a theater in my town and spoke to people but never had many in-depth conversations as soon as i knew a few were whovians we spoke about the show during rehearsals before and after shows and in downtime between the shows it was an in in terms of talking to people and was a good icebreaker so has there ever been a time when the subject of Doctor Who enables a conversation between you and someone you don't know in a pub, in college, in a situation where you don't know anybody? Has Doctor Who ever broken the ice? Broken the ice? Yes. Did you stop listening halfway through that? Broken the ice. Um, it, it, mm. <clears throat> I work in a library, right? So when people take out anything to do with Doctor Who, I say, oh, I make sure I say something that relates to that. And then we have a bit of a convo. That's how me and you met, JR. Because you were taking something out and I mentioned you went, oh, so you're a Doctor Who fan then. And when you said that word, Doctor Who fan, I, you know, heckles went up and thought, fan? Me? Doctor Who? No, I'd like it a bit. And, but it, we ended up talking. <laughs> so it is a bit of an icebreaker. <laughs> but it can also be a showstopper too. That's <laughs> how Mark and I met, of course. Yeah. He, well, you work in the library. He works in the shop. Is this what you've been doing? You've been... <laughs> Have you been grooming us? I've been picking people <laughs> up. It's how... <laughs> Get on with yeah. it. It's true, though. How else would we have met if it weren't for mm. Doctor Who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Mark used to work in a shop. Um, yeah, NBC. Yeah. And I would go in there and buy DVDs. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it must have been Doctor Who. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had the conversation, would we? Well, no, me and a... Sam, fellow friend of ours, friend Sam, of yeah. Um, we both sort of got into conversations about, oh, so you like Doctor Who? And at that point it was like, oh. Because it wasn't, I don't think it really come back properly at that point. So no, this was it was still it something back, where yeah. perhaps you wouldn't have necessarily have been shouting it from the hilltops. Um, yeah, that's another thing, isn't it? And it has that has changed. Yeah. That you would walk home with your Doctor Who magazine firmly in a blue WH Smith bag tucked underneath your arm out of mm. the way in the mid-90s, whereas, uh, you know, in 2007, you proudly read on the bus yeah. for all to see. Mm. Yeah. You mean your Starburst? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> but yeah, Simon, you... Yeah, but for You and Lee, in the fact, even well, probably. Me and Lee, yeah, absolutely. So you chatted at me that time. So it's not all positive, then. Well, we got talking, hey. and I saw you on Facebook, and I saw pictures of... Doctor Who pictures, didn't I? So, yeah. I said, Do you want by chance of Whovian? Are you? And you went, mm, Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that but also, when I first went to college, my first friend there, it was Doctor Who, was the common thing that we got talking about. Mm. Friend Mark Anderson. 
<clears throat> but I find it, it's quite interesting actually because uh, I had this again the other day, and this was I've never had this before. Where um, I know it sounds really odd, but a female actually noticed I had a unit badge on, and she said, "Oh, so you're a Doctor Who fan then?" And she must have been about I don't know, eighteen, nineteen. I was really surprised because she said, "Oh, yeah, I love John Pertwee, blah blah." And we had a re- brilliant conversation uh, serving me at the bar, and I just thought this is really interesting. Yeah, no, I know what you're looking like, but I just, I just thought this is where is she coming from? Where, how does she know Doctor Who as she got into it She's through this stalker. series? Is, uh, is it her dad that was into it? Blah blah blah. I don't know. Just really interesting. Perhaps that should have but been so a question is, that you asked her. It is an icebreaker. Yeah, definitely. Providing definitely. you walk around with a unit badge on. Well, it's an icebreaker way more than, say, for instance, being a Liverpool fan. Oof, dear. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Oh no! Actually, I don't suppose it is because. If, but if you're a Liverpool fan, you meet other Liverpool fans at the pub watching a game on the telly or whatever. Doctor Who is one of those where it breaks the ice wherever you are, wherever you just happen to be when you meet somebody and you get into it. Yeah. Mm. Or they can turn and look at you like you're a complete loser. Well, you'd be better off saying football, wouldn't you? Because I mean, Doctor Who is a as a thing of its own, isn't it? In that you can be a fan of Doctor Who, but like certain elements within it, like you would support a team, so you'd have a favourite Doctor. Yeah, I think my point was Doctor Who's a bit more specific. There are less Doctor Who fans than football fans, so being a football fan is kind of more standard. So, you know, at work, for instance... They're worse geeks. They're, football fans are worse geeks than we are. They're more obsessive than we are. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but my point is at work... Aren't you, Mark? I'm both. At work, <laughs> there are, you know, a dozen other people who support the same football team as I used to support, so we don't have that conversation about no, football because no. it's just kind of normal you don't necessarily sit down and say oh you support x yeah so you've stopped supporting them you say you used to support them well i just don't keep up with football anymore i i probably just as well uh shall we get another question yeah go on (laughs) uh raf edwards um regarding questions on the first doctor i've only watched a few episodes but william hartnell is incapable of delivering any of his lines why was he suffering from alzheimer's he's saying this He says, no, seriously, only watched what's on YouTube, and I appreciate it's the 60s, but On the Brink of Disaster is the most terrible, overactive nonsense I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Are they all like that, he says. And the scissors scenes are quite disturbing, and an earthly child Mm. indeed. He was ill. He was ill. Yeah, Um, there are two points It's not all like that. A lot of it is, though, kind of. There are two points to consider here. One... Yes, William Hartnell was ill, mm-hmm. although he wasn't diagnosed till quite late into mm. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But he was ill probably pretty much from the start because it was arteriosclerosis, which mm-hmm. is an illness that apparently has a an onset, a bit like okay. Alzheimer's would. So he'd have been ill long before anybody knew. Mm-hmm. And the other point to consider is back in the 1960s, Doctor Who was filmed as live. They didn't have the money to yeah. edit. So no, they, they couldn't do any retakes. So what yeah. you're seeing is, you know, one sh- pretty much one shot each, each time. Each episode is made up of, there'd be a fade to black halfway through and that would be their one edit. Essentially, each black and white episode is one live sequence lasting roughly 12 minutes up to the fade to black and another live sequence lasting 12 minutes afterwards. Yeah, I mean, 10 years before that, you'd have, um, <coughs> I know, Quatermass, when Quatermass was on TV, the whole thing was live. Mm. I mean, it was live. Yeah. 
Not right. even ten years before. No, no, exactly. Before. So it was, you know, imagine that. There's a terrifying experience being a theatre actor, going onto TV, and then having to act out all all your lines in front of the cameras. Nowhere you've got to stand. The cameras have got to swoop around and move around for half an hour to an hour. It's it's incredible. If you go and watch these things, you've got to just look at them and think that's fantastic. And they tried to recreate it recently, uh, and found it incredibly difficult. And mm. they did it twice over two nights, the Quatermass one. Yeah. And they took the best bits of both and released it on DVD. But there were mistakes in both of mm. those big ones. So it's uh, difficult. They didn't so do I think twice, they only did it once. They did it twice, the, no? No, the edits they used in the DVD were from a dress rehearsal. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, they kind of did it twice then. Yeah, but the dress <laughs> rehearsal wasn't live. No, all right. Well, I mean, it was live, but it wasn't live on the telephone. I know what you mean, yeah. But it is difficult. So seeing that that was the mode that they were in as actors, they had to get it right. So a lot of the time, they got it completely right. And you can see Ian Chesterton. Um, well, I was going to say, because it's more of a kind of gestalt thing going on in yeah. that, at that time, wasn't it? It was um, the Doctor wasn't necessarily, the, the show didn't completely centre around him. It was a whole... Mm team effort so you're not relying on William Hartnell's performance you definitely weren't because William Russell was having to make up lines to cover for what <laughs> you know um, Hartnell was fluffing up all the time yeah yeah uh, th- the point is though unless you messed up your lines so badly that yeah. it really really didn't make any sense there's no way they were going to stop the shooting and go back yeah. and redo it Jenny, another question. I've got another question from Raph here, but I'm going to save that for a minute. Jenny says, if you stepped out of the TARDIS as the Doctor in your very first opening scene, what would you most like to say as your first words? I know what mine are. Mine would be, relax, I've just regenerated. That's creepy. (laughs) Uh, Opening lines for your Doctor? Oh, the opening line. Okay, the opening line. Um... It's oh. made out of cheese. Why am I so fat? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, your first line should definitely be, it's all made out of cheese. And that would be how they all remembered you for the rest of your cheesy innings as the Doctor. <laughs> Thank you. That's okay. You know you'd do it, cheesy. Simon. <laughs> I would. I would, actually. I know you would. I'd probably go, Hello, Wembley! Mark, <laughs> any idea what you might say as an opening line? I'd say... Right, first things first, let's get back to that spaceship and save Adric. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get him in there somewhere. Actually, we've right. mentioned him already tonight. Uh, uh, okay, we'll skip over Simon. And let's go of cheese. Uh, no. Come on, Simon. First line. Think about a comic. Can you smell fish? That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Depends, <laughs> depends <laughs> on who you're stepping out with. <laughs> Who you were stepping out with? Oh. Are you using that in the biblical sense of the expression? <laughs> no. Gary Davison says, on the subject of the 10th to 11th regeneration, why did the Doctor's regeneration damage the TARDIS interior so badly? Because he held it. Pardon? Because he yeah. held on to it. It was all built Tantric. It was, it we was said it's huge. a tantric regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you want to go to the toilet, you want to have a good, good wee-wee, right? But you hold on, and you hold on, and you hold on, and you fill it up, and you hold on. And then when you go, it just goes on forever. It's an explosion. Same, so same colours of regeneration. So as well. his bladder exploded out across the TARDIS, <laughs> causing the TARDIS to regenerate as well. That's the best analogy I can give. He says, but he says, is, seriously, is there an in-universe reason, an explanation that's actually? Well, do we know? I, I, 
it simply must be that he held on so long seeing all of his old companions because he was he was ready to regenerate but he held it <clears throat> so surely he didn't if you're hold, hold it for it, any longer than peter davison did yes he did yeah 10th doctor just made five or six very short trips what were they two minutes each he held it for 12 minutes peter davison started to regenerate at that the end of episode take two three. minutes to go back to um what's her face's father and donna's dad and get a lottery ticket you've got to chat to the guy you don't just go listen mate i'm on my way out like you know you are let's just quickly take the lottery money and what numbers do you want <laughs> or whatever it was right but i mean you know he's gonna spend a bit of time isn't he it must have been like 20 minutes a few hours day well i suppose yeah it could be like peter davison as well peter but davison, his was quite explosive as well and that caused him to go cause the interior of the tardis to regenerate and he held on to that from the end of episode three to the end of episode four, so that's at least 25 minutes. Okay, Steve from <laughs> Manchester. What? He needed a wee. Go on. <laughs> Steve from Manchester. For all that Classic Who was made on a shoestring budget, do you think that there were fewer plot holes in it than there are in New Who? New, you, New Who seems to go for much bigger and grander ideas, but with only half the time to do it in. How many times have we thought that the simple addition of a sentence in the script of New Who would solve a gaping plot hole? Many classic Who, maybe classic Who, had less intricate plot lines, and so there was less scope to fall down. Do we think that? Because I mean, if you mm. pull a lot of the new series stories apart, there are lots of loopholes, uh, really in plot holes rather. If you do it forensically, things. you can find yeah. all sorts of things wrong to it. Yeah, totally. Wrong with it. Yeah, I think it's about the same. To be, oh. I don't think there's much in it really. Yeah. And to be fair, I think as long as the gist of it's going in the right direction. It's not so you, I mean, you know, obviously some people look for them and are, are very sensitive to them, but I don't, I don't tend to take them in like that. You just, I just no. go with it, go with the flow and enjoy it for what it is. RTD was very good at plugging um, little holes like that. So you'd say, well, why is that alien doing yeah. this, that and the other? And then he'll give you, like you say, one sentence, which actually made perfect sense. And I quite like that because his, his were clever and funny. You think, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. That that goes to explain through this kind of weird science or whatever, you know, and you still, go with it. They still do that now. Yeah, yeah, they do. I don't think it succeeds quite as well as I mean, the end of little Angels Take Manhattan doesn't make any sense that the Doctor can't go back to New York, but you know Stephen Moffat says he can't. The Doctor says it, he can't, so he can't. There's a Don Moore goes off, goes on off of camera in this in the Moffat era. Do you know, there? actually, if we're going to go to talk about Angels Take Manhattan for a minute, seeing as it's come up, the explanation for why he can't go back to New York and see Amy and Rory has got absolutely nothing to do with the science. But the reason is because in the book it says he hasn't done that. So he can't because he won't mm. rather than because he physically can't. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. If and you I maintain that it makes perfect sense for him to want to leave them alone. If they've yeah. got in contact with him and said, we've had a happy life, yeah. leave them alone. Yeah, exactly. Simple as that. That's kind of... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Uh, two more questions. Colleen, you're desperate for pee again, aren't you, Lee? I can see <laughs> it in your face. No, I might destroy your oh, no. bathroom in the process. <laughs> You've gone yellow. That's the point. Uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
None of uh, us will want to uh, go after Lee's thing if what he says is true. <laughs> Lee. Uh, relax God. and don't urinate. <laughs> yeah, please don't all over the Oh, sofa. dear. Right, go on. Colleen Hawkins, I was trying to ask a question about the colorization of 60s episodes on Phonic Screwdriver. This is an interesting one. Hmm. That's why I saved this to the end, because I think this is quite an interesting That's one. I like the way she says trying as well. Illustrating the question with some of Babel Colour's work on YouTube, but mm. couldn't get the link to work. So maybe here's the place to ask whether people are interested in seeing colorized versions of Hartnell and Troughton stories. I should stress that these would not and could not replace the definitive black and white originals, but might be interesting to see nonetheless. I agree. I'd love to see them. I think he's a genius. I think the ones I've seen have been absolutely amazing. They are amazing. Trouble I mean, is, does he do Does he do his homework and find out what colour they should have been? I'm well, sure he, he is does. with the mind of evil. With the old ones, I think he does as much as you can. I think that's but the side that would be really interesting to see. You know, what I like about them is the fact that even if you do all your homework... And you work like buggery to get it as accurate as you can. You never do get it quite right. And so there's something about old recolored films and whatnot that's really spooky. Mm. I mean, if you see It's a Wonderful Life, the colored version, mm. it's not the lovely, warm, rich story. No. It's actually quite, turns it into quite a spooky ghost story, really. Yeah, I don't, well, I mean, things like that, I I don't necessarily like i mean the laurel and hardy's when they were recolored were terrible weren't they, they that was they? a very very early days for yeah, yeah and yeah, it of course shows it was, yeah. and even and even through to it's a wonderful life like it gets better. Body snatchers are, they it, gave up after 10 minutes it's not it's the same to watch. you have to mm-hmm. watch it in black and white because it's designed for black and white yeah. and you know with, uh, a curiosity, with the older ones kind of cool with the old ones of doctor who i think you probably could get away from away with it i mean because it's all because of the way it's filmed as well, you don't have. I think it's a lot of we're fantastic fans as well. We yeah. probably all. Well, that's a good point, actually, Lee. <clears throat> because one of the things that fans, whenever this comes up on the forums, one of the things that fans will always bring up is no, but it's supposed to be seen in black and white. It was lit for black and white. Mm. It's not. The film sequences mm. were lit for black and white, but yeah. the film sequences in 60s Doctor Who are very few and far between. Mm. The rest of it was just filmed in multi-camera studio under studio lights. It's not lit for anything. No, a lot of the black and white stuff was lit for black and white. The films were, especially, you know, like you say, yeah, Hitchcock film, and all that sort of, but, but not necessarily TV because they yeah. just didn't have the time to think about it. They just lit it. So, yeah, I'd like to see them done. There's no reason not to enjoy seeing something a bit different about Doctor Who, like the 45-minute versions of the old Doctor Who's as well, which uh, happen to be turning up the fan edits the fan edits I, th- yeah. I can't wait to see those that'd be great fun to watch yeah it's not going to touch the original is it but it's good fun to play with everybody in agreement Mark hmm. yeah I'd like to see more I'd, yeah I'd, like I say if, if the homework was done and we found out exactly what the colours were of the costumes well there are colour photographs there's, there's a lot of colour photos stuff. yeah because yeah. Yeah. like the Dominators were in lavender weren't they <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's even worse <laughs> we have one more question from Raph Edwards now mm. this is a big question it might not be the time for it now it might be the might, I was going to actually address this in another podcast but I'll ask give it now a... and we'll give a brief one word answer and then we'll call it a night on this podcast Right, and we'll come back to this when we do the podcast about the Peter Cushing films because Raph says should there be a Doctor Who movie? Yes. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there a one-word answer? 
Maybe. Maybe. And mine would be yes. You know, when I said a one-word answer, I didn't mean literally. I meant just give me a <laughs> sentence. Right, okay. Um, That's your sentence, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's That's very enough. shaky ground. Very shaky ground. And I just I find it very difficult, difficult to see how you move back from that. I know you've had this but, argument about where you say the Doctor Who movie can be something right, completely separate. Way too deep into it. Yeah. <laughs> completely yeah. separate. This is why I'd like to do a podcast on this. Yeah. Okay. So well, yeah, we I think we should. Debate. I'll probably just quickly say Firefly. Firefly, Serenity. It, it matched perfectly. Yeah. And true. I'd just like to say William Hartnell and Peter Cushing. You know, Peter Cushing films are brilliant, but they're filled with life and charm, and I love them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, we should call it a night then. Uh, I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. I was Simon. And we'll speak again soon. <laughs> Contact us by email via blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. You're listening. You're listening to the blue. Talking about the Blue Box Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast. Let's fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God almighty.